Hello and welcome to Footbridge to Vietnam where we spotlight different areas of life, culture and work in one of the hottest and fastest growing parts of Southeast Asia. Today's episode, Students of Vietnamese, is the third episode in the Vietnamese language series, so stay tuned. Have you ever thought about learning Vietnamese? Maybe you've given it a go and figured it was way too hard. Or maybe you've got Vietnamese family members, or maybe you've thought about visiting or even moving to Vietnam and are wondering if it is worth trying to learn the language. If any of these is you, then you are gonna want to listen to this episode because today I chat to Sam, Audrey and Karis, who all live, work and study Vietnamese in Saigon to give you the inside look into the ins and outs and ups and downs of learning Vietnamese. And you might be surprised by some of their answers. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, then you might want to check it out because they cover some interesting history and background to the topic we're talking about today. But if you're keen to jump straight in, then that's no worries too, and you can always check them out later if you're interested. So, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Karis, and I'm a teacher here in Saigon. And I have lived here for nearly three years. I'm Audrey, and I have been studying Vietnamese for about five years. My name is Sam, and I'm from the United States. I've been living in Vietnam for about two and a half years now, and I've been studying Vietnamese for roughly the same amount of time. Okay, so can you tell us a bit about why you decided to start studying Vietnamese? You know, it's hard to say why anybody chooses a language. I had previously studied Spanish and Russian, and I think I was partially motivated by the fact that they're such widespread languages. So it was like, this is exciting because I'm going to be able to talk to, you know, an entire continent in one case, or, well, Russia is not a continent, but sometimes it feels like a continent. And then when I was studying a little bit of Chinese, it was sort of the same feeling, like, wow, I'll be able to speak with one-fifth of humanity. But I, I guess at some point I kind of felt like I wanted to learn more of an underdog language. I feel like you meet a lot of people who maybe they move somewhere and they live there for an extended period of time, but then like you ask them if they can speak the language and they and they don't know any of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't think that's, you know, like a bad thing, but I kind of just wanted to be more connected to the culture and the society. And I feel like knowing the language helps you significantly in, in doing that. And, and also it kind of just makes your daily life a little bit more convenient. Like if you need to go shopping or order food, or if you need to, if you need directions from somebody, or even just like reading street signs. So I mean, it was kind of like, at the beginning, it was more of a combination of wanting to learn more about the culture and, and make my daily life more convenient. And then later on, I met my girlfriend who is from Vietnam, and that was an even bigger motivating factor uh, because we're still together. We've been together for about a year and a half, and we go and visit her family very often. And with the exception of her younger brother, nobody in the family really speaks English that well. Well, several things. First of all, I love learning languages. It's kind of like cracking a code, and I enjoy that. I also think it's really important to learn the language where you're living. For example, I used to live in Spain and I found it really useful being able to speak Spanish and talk to uh, locals, learn more about the food, how people interact, what's considered rude, what's polite. And you just feel more involved with local communities as well that way. Uh, I also have a Vietnamese boyfriend, so that's another factor. He speaks English very well, but his parents don't speak any English, and I want to connect with them. Okay, so that's interesting. So you've all got Vietnamese partners. Now, does having a partner help or hinder your learning Vietnamese? Um, I think it helps a lot more than it hinders, because you always have someone who, you know, can correct you if you are saying something or pronouncing something incorrectly, and you kind of get more of an insider's perspective and you have somebody who you're not 
pain. Uh, so it's a little bit more, you know, like convenient. It's not, you don't have to like pay money and schedule an appointment and stuff like that. So it's kind of like having your own personal dictionary. Is that right? I guess, I guess you could say, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, a, it's kind of your own dictionary and the homework kind of never stops, I guess. So, so I would, I would say that it's definitely more of a benefit than a uh, hindrance. I would say a little bit of both, if that makes sense. Uh, so my partner's from like the middle north of Vietnam. He's from a province called Nghệ An, which is the same province that Ho Chi Minh is from. So his accent is quite different to Saigonese accents that I hear very often. And I think that helps me get an understanding of accents here. I find that Vietnamese who, have, who naturally have a uh, northern accent or like middle north, accent they they tend to correct you more so if you're learning Vietnamese in a Saigon accent or like a southern Vietnamese accent because your teacher speaks that way so you imitate your teacher and then I find my partner corrects me and says I should have a northern accent because it's the correct way and that can be quite frustrating and confusing too because then I'm not sure which one is correct and yeah it can get a bit muddled. I think it both helps and hinders my learning. Well when we're out together I'm often lazy about using Vietnamese because you know I know that even if I look up words beforehand and do all my prep and you know run through the conversation in my head multiple times Anything I say in public in Vietnamese, if he's there, the interlocutor is just going to turn to him and give him that, what the fuck is that white girl talking about look? And he's going to restate what I said, and the rest of the conversation is going to happen without me. So I end up practicing Vietnamese a lot less, at least with strangers, so that can be sort of sad. I also feel like oftentimes pretty dehumanized like you know you'll be walking around and people will talk like people talk to him about me right in front of me like oh where is she from are you her tour guide how long is she visiting how much is she paying you to show why did she want why did she want to come here it can be extremely uncomfortable and then I'm listening to him explain, no, oh, she's my wife, she lives here, she's lived here for five years. And even when they realize that I live here, they don't seem to realize that they're being kind of rude. So yeah, you end up just kind of feeling like, like a horse at market or something. Okay, so that segues into an interesting topic because a lot of Vietnamese learners in the local community here or in Vietnam in general have commented about the challenges that they have with speaking Vietnamese to the local. So I guess my question is like what has your experience with speaking Vietnamese to the locals been? Have there been any challenges with it or you know how has it how has it been? It really depends. I've had taxi drivers who I know are grading their Vietnamese for me and that's been wonderful. I've not experienced anyone ignoring me. I definitely have experienced people not speaking slowly. They might have graded their language, but they're saying it pretty fast. That's quite common, I think. For directions as well, when I'm trying to find somewhere, I sometimes I stop on the side of the road and ask someone, excuse me, do you know where this is? And sometimes I understand the answer, but sometimes they just kick off in like very fluent Vietnamese and I'm completely lost. I think that the important variable there is whether the person you're talking to has ever studied another language. If they have ever studied another language, they might understand what it's like to be intermediate and they might slow down. But a lot of people here have never studied another language. So for them, you either know a language or you don't. That's it. They, they can't really conceptualize what it would be like to only know a fraction of a language. Um, I guess there's also times where like I've tried to make small talk 
Um, and like either the person isn't interested or they just are not used to hearing the language from a foreign person. So they kind of just either they're acting like they don't want to talk to me or they just are not used to hearing it come out of a foreign person's mouth. So I've had situations like that where you kind of just get shot down when you're trying to talk to somebody and that's a little embarrassing. But I mean, I, I feel like those things happen pretty often, right? You know, not everyone is used to hearing foreigners talk. So like, if it's not perfect, there's, you know, not as much of a margin for error, I guess. So that kind of leaves, kind of gives you a lot of opportunities to have embarrassing situations, I guess. But I feel like they can be a tough crowd, but in other ways, I think they're also very, sometimes they're not a very tough crowd, right? Like I've, they'll, they'll compliment you sometimes. Like, I feel like they're, they're very direct and straightforward where they'll tell you if they have no clue what you're talking about, right? They'll just be like, I don't know, or, or they'll do the classic, you know, handshake kind of thing where they don't know what you're talking about. But also, they're pretty lenient, where like, if you're able to say something relatively coherent, they'll be like, oh, you're very, very good, you know, so uh, you speak Vietnamese very well. So I think if you have your, your shit mildly together, they'll still compliment you pretty well. Okay, so some differences, but definitely some common themes. So, what's your end goal for Vietnamese? I think at some point I made a transition from originally thinking I was going to study Vietnamese so that I could use it out and about to eventually, I think at some point, just studying Vietnamese for my own curiosity. And, you know, actually when I'm out and about, I just use English most of the time because that's the only way to get people to treat me like a person. <laughs> I'd have to say, so it goes back to, I guess, my relationship, probably when I go and visit my mother-in-law and we're able to have, I mean, rudimentary conversations, but still we can have conversations. I think that's the most rewarding and that's, that's the moment where I feel like it's worth continuing to put in effort. But I, I think that might be the only time. And, and Annie, you know, I mean, Annie is just an amazing teacher. And I think she makes studying fun in and of itself. So you don't have to have so much of an extrinsic motivation. You know, she kind of creates the intrinsic motivation right there because it's just fun chatting with her. So, so that's great. So that, that, I guess those are the two people <laughs> I learn for. <laughs> Obviously, I'd, I'd like to be fluent. I haven't been working at it as much recently as I should have, which I feel like this probably happens to a lot of people when you study language is you kind of like where you start and you learn so much in the beginning and you're really, really into it. And then maybe you plateau a little bit and your motivation kind of takes a dive sometimes just because you're getting caught up in the the busyness of life or something like that. And the learning kind of goes by the wayside. So I guess right now I'm not really following the necessary steps to get fluent as much as I probably should. Um, but I feel like that would be my end goal because I can, you know, see myself being with my girlfriend for a long time. And like I said, I really do want to be a part of her family and want to be able to speak with as many people as possible. And so I'd, I'd like to get to that point. Yes, I do have an end goal. Um, at the moment, like I said, I'm still a beginner. And obviously, beginners do literal translations from their L1 into their L2 or L3 or whatever. And that doesn't really help me. So my goal, I would say, is to just be able to speak to my partner's parents without needing help. I'd like to be independent, basically, with my speaking and my listening. So very basic, everyday, general communication to talk to them. That would be fantastic. I'm not sure how long that will take, but hopefully a year or two, that would be okay. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like family plays a fairly big part for all of you guys. Now, next question. How difficult is Vietnamese? And let's say give us a rating on a scale of 1 to 10 where 1 is really, really easy and straightforward and 10 is absurdly difficult. 
Where is Vietnamese? I would say in the beginning, Vietnamese seems like it's an eight or a nine or a 10 on the difficulty scale, right? Because there's like all these tones and there's the NG sound and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like something that you'll never be able to learn. But I would say that as you progress, it gets a little bit easier because like the grammatical structures, they can be difficult, but as far as some of the more basic stuff, like speaking in the past tense and speaking in the future and speaking in the present, you know, you pretty much just put a word in front of the verb and you don't need to conjugate it or anything like that. Or it's not like German or Spanish where like nouns all have genders and there's like no real system to it. You just have to memorize it. So I feel like maybe as you progress a little bit more, it I would say like in the beginning, it's a nine or a 10, definitely. And then Maybe once you're a few months in, it dips down to like a five or a six or maybe a four. So I would say like it, it's kind of mid-range, right? I'd probably give it like a five. Like there's some there's some very unnatural aspects of it for someone coming from a English-speaking country. But there's also some easier aspects. So I'd say it's probably right in the middle. One to ten. Oh, geez. Five? I have to say, I have strong feelings about the difficulty question because I think the more you know about a language, the more you think it's difficult. And that's why most people believe their native language is extremely hard to learn because they know all the ins and outs of it. But yes, it's not, okay, it's not a case language and it is phonetic. So points for that. So I think I'm going to say maybe five. Yeah. That's a tough question because I think with the difficulty of languages, there's just so many factors to keep in mind. People say Spanish is easy, but it's actually not easy once you start getting into subjunctive and stuff like that. So I think, I think what people mean when they talk about an easy or a hard language is basically how fast can I get to A2? How fast can I make just the most basic rudimentary conversation? And if you're looking at just that, I think Vietnamese is pretty easy. Um, just because there's not a lot of grammar that you need to understand. There's not very complicated syntax. The writing system is entirely phonetic. If you can get the people around you to slow down, you can probably get to A2 in a couple months without too much, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're focusing on it regularly. Um, but... How long does it take to, to be fluent? That's like a whole other question, and it's really going to vary from case to case. I think that there's a tipping point where you know enough Vietnamese to get yourself into trouble and not enough Vietnamese to get out. <laughs> I mean, I have had so many moments where I say one phrase in a natural, seemingly fluent way. And then I'm just met with like a deluge of words at like rapid pace. And it's like, you just kind of want to stop people and be like, dude, I know food words. That doesn't mean we can talk about the, the pandemic or the recession. <laughs> so that's, that's the tricky part, I think, is like bridging that gap between the point where you're talking like a two-year-old and people are slowing down for you and then the point because the next step is everyone thinks you're fluent and everyone talks to you like you're fluent but you're not and you feel like a fraud and it's awful so but how do you get to the next stage where you're not a fraud you know I think I think that's really the question I really struggled with the flat tone because naturally um, speaking English the flat tone is quite low. Uh, it tends to kind of go down a bit. Uh, whereas a flat tone, especially in the South, I find it's quite higher up. So I struggled with that for a long time. But now that I've actually listened and I can do those tones properly, it's not so hard anymore. I've learned Spanish. Uh, I studied it at university. And that's supposedly considered one of the easier languages. But I find it is quite difficult because there's so many verb conjugations in Spanish and you have to really use those carefully. Whereas in Vietnamese, well, you just learn past word, the past word and the future 
and that's it. And then as long as you've got your verbs, you're good. And the fact that it's written, like we can read it, it's not like Chinese characters or any other characters, that really helps. So actually, I would say, with the grammar being quite easy as well, I think once you have a handle on it, I would say it's in the middle, possibly a four. But maybe I'm being a bit <laughs> optimistic, I'm not sure. But I think when you actually have a handle on it, picking it up as well in your listening skills, I think it's okay. So everyone rates it at around a five or somewhere in the middle of the road, which I think is interesting and not at all what I expected, given how difficult everyone talks about it as being. But it's interesting the theme seems to be that it feels difficult at first, especially due to the pronunciation or listening, but then feels easier later as the more difficult parts of the grammar that exist in other languages don't materialize in Vietnamese. So what then is the most challenging part of learning Vietnamese? I think listening is the most challenging in terms of studying Vietnamese, and there's a few different reasons for it. I think one issue is that words are really short and they can have a lot of different meanings. So you can hear a sentence and actually pick out every single word, but still interpret it three or four different ways. And that can be really frustrating. So it's, you know, you, there's a lot of guesswork involved and context. And it's not just a matter of knowing the word and knowing how it's pronounced. I think tones are an issue, but not in the way that people often think. Like some people think, oh my god, tones are so hard. How can you ever tell what tone a word is? And I don't think that's actually the issue. I think that if you if you spend a bit of time listening to people, and I mean, granted, northern tones and southern tones are pretty different, so you really have to adjust to one or the other. But I think if you take some time getting used to it, you will know what tone you are hearing. But the problem can be, for me, it goes back to the, sh the, the shortness of words and the similarness of words. The fact that, you know, if a word is only one or two syllables, you just have such a short amount of time to catch it. And this is an interesting comment because studies have actually shown that Vietnamese is one of the most information-dense languages in the world. And there's more on this in the previous episode, but it's to say that Vietnamese packs in more information per word than many, if not most, other languages. So having to quickly catch short words and recognize their tone is definitely likely to be a common problem for learners of Vietnamese. I would say pronouncing the tones is pretty difficult if you're not used to it. Also, there are certain sounds that are very difficult. So like, example, the NG sound where the back of your tongue goes up in the back of your mouth. So I would say like pronunciation of difficult words and, the, and you know, pronouncing the tones in the appropriate way, that's really difficult. If we're looking past the mechanical sense and we're thinking about maybe more like a state of mind or like motivation or something like that. So like there's certain days where maybe I have a, a really good conversation with a local person and I feel like, oh my God, I've learned so much. I feel like I'm on top of the world right now. And then you have times where it's just a disaster where you can't communicate anything or maybe the person that you're talking to is not accustomed to hearing your dialect or something. So I would say another difficult part would be like taking blows to your confidence or having a bad interaction where somebody doesn't understand you or something. And then that's kind of makes you feel bad about your progress. Right. And I think it's a good point to make about the confidence mindset point, especially as we've been talking about how Vietnamese seems to feel most difficult at first when your confidence is likely to be lowest. So any shocks to your confidence will potentially affect your motivation the most. But it's not all bad news, right? So have you had any good language win moments? You know, maybe like you've solved a problem or saved the day or just came out feeling pretty smooth after you use some Vietnamese. I was going to a training for work with my manager and some of my colleagues. This was maybe about a month and a half ago. 
and we took a, a taxi from our center to the to the other center that we were training at and my manager came up and he was like Sam can you help me like I want to tell the cab driver that we need to go back to our center later tonight but we don't know what time and can you ask him to like come back at six or seven o'clock and I was like really quickly able to tell him that and, and he understood everything and he was waiting for us at seven o'clock when we finished. I don't think so. I've just had some funny moments where I jump into conversations, you know, like in the elevator, for example, two of my colleagues will be speaking to each other in Vietnamese, like, what's the meeting about later? And I'll just jump in with like, oh, yeah, we're discussing the proposal for the blah, blah, blah. And they'll look at me like they've just seen a ghost. I have to say, I think that's the most enjoyable thing. Um, yeah, I think when I realized I finally could say the tones correctly and someone understood me because before that I would practice and they would someone would look at me kind of strangely like do you mean this and I would ah oh, yes that's what I mean but um, I had this conversation with a guy around my age who was studying Japanese and he was my grab bike driver and we were chatting away and he was telling me how long he'd been studying Japanese and why he was learning Japanese and he told me he loved manga and anime. And he met his girlfriend at the same university who's also studying Japanese for those reasons. And it was a really nice conversation. And that was when I knew like, wow, I can speak basic Vietnamese and someone understands and I understand them. That's fantastic. That was a breakthrough moment. And that was back in uh, November last year. Yeah. And I think it's really good to recognize that like there are those moments that you're you get to look forward to if you ever decide to start the journey of learning a language. And there's really not many better kicks that you can get than when you realize like, yes, I nailed it and I can talk to people. Um, but, you know, as everyone knows, it's not all smooth sailing. So next question, any embarrassing moments or face plants or Vietnamese fails? Yes. <laughs> I have... I. Okay, I accidentally called one of my partner's uncles a dog because the word's very similar. And I can't even tell you the name for uncle um, right now, but I know it's similar. Right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, and I said the word dog. And um, no, they were fine about it. They took it well. But um, yeah. Wasn't wasn't a great start, so <laughs> hello, dog. We were asking to pay the bill, uh, which is like probably one of the most simple phrases that you always learn. But I, I hadn't practiced my tones enough, and I was like, "Don't worry, guys, I got this." And I like tried to ask for the bill, and the guy like looked at me like I was speaking Swahili or something like that. You know, just had had no clue what the hell I was talking about. And I tried to repeat it over and over and over again, and it pretty much just devolved into a situation where I was just trying to repeat something that didn't make sense to him at all. So that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, there's definitely been a few. I think I got a little bit confused with the words to go down, like to go downstairs and to be satisfied. And so the word to be satisfied can mean like just happy with how things are going, but it can also be sexually satisfied. So I think I've told quite a few of my grab drivers, you know, please hold on one minute because I'm just getting satisfied. <laughs> okay, what about flirting? Have you ever used your Vietnamese to flirt with anyone? Ah, uh, no. You know, I think um, I think Vietnamese men are, for the most part, pretty uninterested in foreign women. Yeah, I don't think I've ever flirted in Vietnamese. You know, the other thing is, Men, if they want to impress a woman, they often want to show off their English. So usually if I'm practicing my Vietnamese, it's with friends. It's a very platonic, silly thing, and I'm making silly mistakes. And yeah, it's not, it's not sexy to, to make those dumb mistakes. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be great to say I did that with my partner? But no, <laughs> that did not happen at all like that. <laughs> In fact, it was very much the opposite. Him learning pickup lines and throwing them my way 
and I'm me finding it hilarious. But I do know someone who did learn Vietnamese for that reason only. And she <laughs> she did a great job. She she would genuinely go into uh, into shops and saw that the shop assistant was really good looking. So she would say in Vietnamese, hi, I think you're really good looking. Here's my number or people don't really do that anymore, do they? Here's my Facebook. (laughs) Contact me. And uh, she would hook up with them pretty often. Quite a few at the same time. Um, But no, no, I've, I've never, never tried it. Only once, actually, I tried it. And um, I think he wasn't picking up on my vibe. (laughs) So it wasn't working very well. (laughs) I think I was just trying to say, like, oh, you're really good looking. But I think he just sort of didn't... I think he just sort of thought I was practicing my Vietnamese. You know, like, oh, you're so... And it was like, oh, yeah, thank you. And, like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I think I wasn't sure what was going on. Well, I guess they just don't cover these things enough in Vietnamese classes. Speaking of which, though, how do you study? I started studying at a center called Learn Vietnamese with Annie. And, and, and that's where I really started like committing to it and kind of getting more focused because I was going to lessons once a week and doing homework in between lessons. Um, it was it was really nice. I I had a teacher who... You know, the the classes were very communicative, so I'd I'd kind of, and we pretty much spoke the whole entire time. In Vietnamese. In Vietnamese, yeah, yeah. So I pretty much had, you know, the whole hour and a half we were speaking Vietnamese to each other. And and that was really nice. I I got to use it a lot. And they gave me a lot of really good homework assignments where I would listen to some audio, like some people having a conversation or something like that. And then I'd read the text of the conversation and answer questions about it. And then I'd usually do a little bit of a write-up based on it. And then I would record myself speaking the conversation from the homework, and then I'd send it to my teacher. And then in the lesson, she would give me feedback on my uh, pronunciation. So it was, I mean, I mean, they, they covered all the bases, you know, and I feel like uh, the results are there because like they put up like writing samples from their students. But like my, my girlfriend came in with me when I was, when I was going there for like a consultation before I started studying and they have all these like sample, like essays from their students up on the wall. And uh, my girlfriend was like, wow, this guy's like comparing and contrasting like uh, different, like different economic concepts or something like that. And I was just like, I was like, wow, they have a student who's like, he's like a foreign guy and he's like writing a Vietnamese essay, like an essay about economics, but in Vietnamese. So, I mean, it obviously they help people a lot to get to that point. I've studied a few different ways. So I think when I first got here, I was at for a while and that was okay. Group classes were sometimes challenging. I think that the moment I realized that I probably needed to change was when we were learning really basic vocab, like I like and I don't like. And one of the students kept saying tick, and the teacher kept just encouraging him, even though she was saying it so differently. And I just kind of realized at that point, you know, we're just kind of throwing money around to get pat on the head, basically. Because when you go out on the street, no one's going to understand what tick is. It was just so wrong. And I mean, yeah. And I also did not getting any of the tones. And I just see that a lot with some teachers. And they just think, again, it's back to the talking parrot. Like, it's so cute that you've tried. And what you're saying is almost comprehensible. Good job, pat on the head, you know, perfunctory bit of homework to do at home, see you next week. And that just never goes anywhere because no one will ever understand you. And I think that's, that's a vicious cycle, right? Because you've got teachers rewarding that bad pronunciation and then local people on the street continue to believe that Foreign people are intrinsically incapable of learning Vietnamese. So, you know, the having the standard be set so low is really discouraging. So I kept, I kept looking around, and, and that's 
one of the reasons I went to both the universities as well. I tried a bunch of private tutors as well that I found on Facebook. And finally I found Annie and it was just, I had, I, I listened to her podcast a bit and then I got into a classroom with her and I was just so happy because she actually did correct me when I was wrong and I felt like I actually was improving. And as a language teacher, you know, we know when a lesson is not helping us. So it makes us very tough customers. Yes. So she teaches me and my friend through Easy Vietnamese. It's a company, I think it's based in District 1, I believe. They have a center, but they also send out tutors to homes. So we obviously decided to have a tutor sent to us. So yes, they made their own curriculum. They have their own books that we are given and it's got easy Vietnamese on the front. So I quite like it. It's got very useful topics that you want to use, like transport, directions, talking to landlords and things like this. It's it's really useful. So because it's a two-on-one, so there's a lot of pair work activities. So we have to ask each other questions and we're allowed to ask her questions like how do you say this if I want to say this can I say that or is it politer to say this and that she's very informative we do more speaking than writing it's mostly speaking and listening practice which is what we want um, because we both want to talk to our partner's family members okay and so like how much of the time do you spend speaking uh, Vietnamese in your lessons quite a lot of the lesson really yes <laughs> we're both really tired after it so I'd say about 75 percent we're very happy with the teacher that we have because we've got such a good rapport and we kind of all bounce off each other which is really nice so as for their method I would recommend it because it's nice to have a curriculum it's nice to have a book in front of you and you can review it Okay, and uh, how about like blogs or videos? Do you guys know any good ones that people who are trying to learn Vietnamese can use to get more exposure to the language to help them learn? There's one guy who I used to watch very often on YouTube, and he's actually not Vietnamese. He's American, and his name is Dan Hauer. I don't know if you've heard his name before. So his name's Dan, D-A-N, and then Hauer, I think it's spelled H-A-E-U-R, or something like that. He's this, like, he's this American guy who lives in Hanoi, and he's lived in Hanoi since, like, 2012, so he's been there for a while, and he's, like, completely fluent in Vietnamese, like, really, really, really good. Um, and he was really, really popular on YouTube amongst Vietnamese folks, like, he had, like, over a million subscribers on YouTube and like all of his videos would have like 400,000, 500,000 views or something. And a lot of his videos were like teaching Vietnamese people English. So he was mostly like an online English teacher, but he also did kind of like funny videos in Vietnamese as well to kind of like teach foreign people about Vietnamese and about like Vietnamese culture and stuff like that. And when I when I first came here, I found his channel like really, really entertaining. And I watched it like all the time. He gives a lot of like good commentary about like what it's like to live in Vietnam or he'd do different videos about language or something like that. And then he he actually got in trouble a few years ago too because he made some remark about Vo Vo Nguyen Yap. It was some bad phrase how if they if the Vietnamese football team won the like uh, won the U23 football tournament, he would get like like a piercing or a tattoo on his on his dick or something that was that looked like Von Nguyen Yap. And like people found that to be incredibly insulting. And he like got in a lot of trouble for that. And I think he's he's it was just a joke. And I, I think that he just didn't think things through 100% before he said it. I, I don't, you know, so so he did get in trouble for that. But I mean, he, his video, his channel is still has tons of views and tons of subscribers. So it didn't really like affect his popularity very much. I don't think even amongst Vietnamese folks, but he doesn't really make videos that often anymore. And when he does, they're not really about Vietnamese anymore. So I guess like his channel is like, 
if you're looking for like new content, that's not really the one to go to. But his his archive, if you look at all of his videos, he has a lot of like really good, really entertaining uh, videos about like learning Vietnamese or or like teaching Vietnamese folks English, but in in the Vietnamese language. Also, have you heard of the, there's one guy who's really famous in Hanoi. I think he's also American, but he's like a really famous singer. I forgot his name, but he's an American guy and he sings in Vietnamese. And apparently he has this like amazing singing voice. And Vietnamese people have told me that he's really, really good at singing. And he's super famous and he makes like tons of money like as a singer in Hanoi. So that would be, I guess, a guy to look up to. I think he's pretty well known in the northern part of the country. I mean, my favorite is definitely Annie's podcasts. I think she's really great, especially if you're planning to come to the South. Um, but there's other stuff out there, too, that is good. I, I was using Vietnamese Pod 101 for a while, and that was pretty good. The, the Duolingo Vietnamese program is okay. They teach you some words that you're not going to need, though. Like, you know, you learn goat. The first hundred words includes goat, which, you know, is not something you're probably going to need immediately. Would you recommend learning Vietnamese? I guess I, my advice would be learn Vietnamese if you feel really excited by it and you feel motivated by it. But don't, don't learn it just to put another language on your CV or another notch on your belt or something because it is kind of a long path. And you will sound stupid for the first little while. So you have to be willing to, you know, go through that rough part. And yeah, and I guess I would say, despite everything I've said about Vietnamese people being mean to foreigners who try to speak Vietnamese, I would say maybe just, just be relentless and be friendly and just walk up to people assuming that they're going to treat you like a person and eventually you will find some people who will talk to you it's it's a tough road ahead but you can find them I, i would definitely recommend it especially if you plan on coming over here at any time in your life just because i think it also gives you a leg up on like you know getting to know the culture and the and the country itself and getting to know the 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 people who live here, you know, so I, I think it just kind of if you ever plan on coming here, it's going to help you tremendously. And like I said before, it's just kind of interesting to learn something that's so much different from what you're accustomed to. If you're in the West, and you're, you know, used to like learning Spanish or French or something like that, it's quite a change of pace. Well, yes, definitely to those who are English teachers here, teaching ESL, definitely. I mean, most of them, I think, do, actually. I think there's quite a lot of people that have made a big effort to learn at least beginner's Vietnamese, which is great. And if you're here, you can see yourself here long term, you should definitely learn Vietnamese. I think it really helps with teaching, understanding the kind of errors that the students make and you can see where the mistake is coming from and how you can correct it or perhaps like make the you know, concept easier to understand. It's so rewarding. And it's not like any other language you'd learn back home where, well, you know, obviously I'm from the UK. We only really learn European languages. So it's it's fantastic to, to learn something so different and master the tones a bit more. It's, it's just really satisfying. And, and you learn a lot more about Vietnamese, the way of life, the way they speak. That's interesting. So, like, have you learned anything about Vietnamese culture through studying the language? Uh, yes. When we were learning about family, for example, and we were learning about typical questions that people ask about families and the way... I couldn't tell you the question in Vietnamese, but I know the way they structure it, one of the common questions is, have you started your family yet? And I thought... I thought, well, God, that's really, I mean, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? There's a lot of Vietnamese when you meet them for the first time, especially if they're not, a, you know, a, an intermediate or above English speaker, they will ask you, are you married? Are you single? And it's one of those icebreaker questions that Vietnamese ask here. And it's really important culturally. And it's the fact that it has the word 
like yet in the question or already like it, it, it implies that how important that is that you know you get married and have children and whatnot I think I found when I first arrived in Vietnam I found that quite a difficult question to get used to but learning that through in Vietnamese itself I found it it, it was much easier to accept and if anything it was quite a fun question to learn how about the pronouns oh god yeah that <laughs> that is the bane of my life actually pronouns they they put me in a panic to be honest because even though we have practiced them to death in class i will still i'm just afraid of getting it really wrong i don't want to offend anyone particularly women so yeah i i struggle with that but that's qu actually i'm glad you brought that up that's quite interesting um i asked my boyfriend to translate an email for me very very recently for work i was contacting a parent and i know this parent doesn't speak any english so i wanted him to you know reply in vietnamese and he said to me how old is she and i said actually i have no idea how old she is she looks like she's my age possibly younger but i don't know and then he said well can you just write it in english because i don't know how to talk to her it's much easier if you just say it in english and she can translate it in google I'm like, no, I want to make it more personal. I want to, you know, make it look like I'm making an effort for her. And he, he wasn't very comfortable with that. So <laughs> I just basically like, go on, please. And in the end, he just stuck with Chi. So, which I'm, you know, I think that's the right one. But anyway, I think he, he wasn't happy about it that he didn't know how old she was. So that was, that was quite yeah, eye-opening. When my girlfriend and I go back to her hometown and visit her family, you kind of get to learn about, you know, how families interact or like what are some common things that people talk about, you know, like I feel like even making small talk is different in different cultures, you know, so you kind of like, uh, I feel like every culture kind of has their own set of small talk or something like that. I feel like the the pronouns and kind of the hierarchy that's almost like the biggest the biggest one because I've you know I I've had personal experience with that where I mean it is kind of like the 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 matriarch and the patriarch of the family I guess are a little bit more revered and are supposed to be like respected and stuff and you're supposed to call them by that name like when when my my girlfriend and I went back to her hometown her her grandpa was was in the in the house and I called him by his first name because I'm just kind of used to doing that, you know, like where it's like we're not married yet, you know, so I'm technically not in the family yet. So I kind of like just if you're not in somebody's family, you kind of just call them by their first name. Right. You're kind of just like I'm just like, oh, hey, your first name. And uh, everybody started like laughing at me and stuff like that and thought that it was hilarious. And he later told me that I had to call him, you know, Ulm, which is grandpa you know the only people that i call grandpa are like my own grandparents and not somebody else's you know so in some ways it's kind of nice because it's almost kind of like they just assume that you're it kind of seems like the whole country is like one big family you know because they're always calling each other brother and sister and like uncle and stuff like that that's kind of like even some random guy who's 15 years older than you can be chu which is uncle or something you know which i, I just think is kind of it seems different for us but in, in a way it's almost like more inclusive i guess yeah and i think it seems to add a bit of warmth to the interactions a bit so instead of like hey jim or hey hey carol you know you'd be like hey auntie hey uncle hey bro something like that i don't know anyway uh as we get to the uh end of this session do you guys have any final tips for people who are thinking about or maybe just started learning vietnamese I think part of the mistake that I made was that I've always studied Vietnamese in this very drip feed kind of way. And my advice would be you really can never get enough exposure. So if you can get a roommate who will speak to you in Vietnamese or a homestay or get one colleague who agrees to speak to you in Vietnamese at work and just get as much exposure as possible as often as possible 
I think you will make progress a lot faster than people say, because I think, I think the pitfall that foreigners often, you know, come into is they come here and they get that like phrase book and they learn five phrases and then that's it. And that, you know, and then they, they say, oh, it was so hard, but it's like, it's just, you got to put in the time. Yeah. I mean, well, I think uh, a lot of people are big fans of Duolingo, but to me, I feel like Duolingo is better for like the languages like, you know, Spanish and French and German, where obviously pronunciation's big, but I just feel like a language like Vietnamese, where there's so many tones and it's like, like, it's so important the way that you pronounce a word, because it could mean something completely different depending on the way that you say it, right? It, it could be different from how you intended it. So I would probably say even just going to the Learn Vietnamese with Annie YouTube channel, there's plenty of stuff where you don't need to be a student. You can just kind of be a subscriber and you get a lot of free content. So I feel like that would be very valuable because she kind of, like Annie, the woman who runs the school, she goes over stuff like pronunciation and the tones and stuff in a very detailed way where you can kind of understand the mechanics behind it and stuff like that, as opposed to just kind of like looking at it on the screen and having like a computer pronounce it for you. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably recommend her channel, Learn Vietnamese with Annie, the YouTube channel. Well, I think it's always important to remember that when you learn languages, there are amazing days where you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm, I know so much. I can remember this and that and I'm feeling confident and yes, this is great. And then you have your down days where all you remember is Xin Chao and everything else has left your brain. <laughs> and that's okay. Like it's, it doesn't mean that you're bad at learning languages or anything like that. I think that's totally normal. And sometimes your brain just you know, wakes up a little bit sloppy some days and other days it's a great day. So I find I always have to remind myself of that. And I think that's a good point for all language learners because language learning isn't a linear path at all. You know, teaching your brain another language is like toilet training a grumpy toddler. You know, sometimes it's good and it's all coming out very smoothly and other times there's just poop all over the walls. So if you're struggling with Vietnamese now or maybe in the future, don't worry, it gets better. And so that's it. So you heard from Sam, Karis, and Audrey today, three learners who have taken a hatchet to the jungle of the Vietnamese language. And I hope you liked it. Hope you feel a bit encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit up our Facebook page, Footbridge to Vietnam. Now, if you followed along with the series so far, you'll know we covered the history of the Vietnamese language, whether it's difficult or not, and then this episode's chat with Sam, Karis, and Audrey. And if you're considering about how you might learn Vietnamese, then you'll want to stay tuned for the next episode, because that's when I talk to Hom, who's my teacher at a school in Saigon, about the way students learn at that school and what you can do to really make big strides in your Vietnamese if that's what you're thinking about doing. So... Thanks again for listening and catch you guys next time.